This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. My name is John Pronich, as you just heard in the intro. I don't know why I said my name again, but I did. Um, and this episode is a special episode, I guess you could say. I was down in Orange County, and I was out with Joey Cassio and Gary Kleiben, and we were actually out to watch Gary play in his arena soccer game. And Joey and I decided to break out the recording gear and record an episode while we were sitting there uh, just watching the game. It was uh, kind of stemming from an idea that we had all, or that all three of us had talked about earlier in the day, it's like, Hey, what is a you know typical day in the life of a coach that wants to make it to the next level? Uh, what does that day actually look like? And so Joey's a good example. Joey spends, uh, most of his waking hours either studying the game, planning for practice or actually, you know, executing his practices. So I, I kind of picked Joey apart with a lot of questions about how he, uh, how he, plans his training sessions, when or how far in advance is he planning those training sessions, the notes that he's taking, how is he uh, taking notes, how is he reviewing games, what kind of games is he reviewing, and just the amount of time that he's dedicating to the sport. We got into some topics that we've never really uh, recorded before. Joey's been on the podcast two or three times now, but we've never really gotten into these topics, so I feel like you guys are going to enjoy the conversation. Um, if you guys want more from Joey, there are two other episodes that I will link to in the show notes that will be available on 343coaching.com. And while you're there, you can check out all the benefits of becoming a 343 coaching education member. Uh, if you don't want to pony up and, and get the premium course yet, you can always sign up for our free course as well. Um, Joey and I talk a lot about our experiences in, uh, studying or sorry, not in studying, but studying under Brian, uh, Brian Kleiben. And that's basically what this program is all about. So the experiences that Joey and I have had the pleasure of having in person, uh, they're all available online as well. So if you kind of want to peek inside of what Joey has experienced, and he talks about that in this episode, you can find all of that at 343coaching.com. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode with Joey Cassio. All right, Joey Cassio. Can you hear me? We're uh, here. Everything's good. So... I'm going to try my best to describe exactly where we are right now, even though this is kind of foreign territory for me. So we're down in Brea, California, uh, which is where 343 headquarters is. Uh, but we are currently at the, I don't know, the I think Fullerton YMCA, yeah. which is down the street um, at their arena soccer facility or outdoor arena soccer facility. And we are watching... Uh, Gary Cliven played. This is my first time actually watching Gary play. Shocking, shocking. <laughs> I want you to, I want you to kind of tell the story you, you just told me as you walked in. So you, like, one of your guys's or one of your first experiences with these guys was actually playing 
uh, either indoor or arena. And I know you've, you, you might've mentioned it before in one of the other times we've, we've talked on the podcast, but I can't remember, but, uh, yeah, just try to, try to, try to tell the story you just told me. Yeah. So I, I played for Brian, uh, at U19, uh, it was right after the junior college season I got done and I had some friends who were playing for Brian at the time and they asked me to come play with them for like three months and play national cup. So I did that. And then after that was done, you know, we aged out of our, of our club years. So we put together a little indoor team. It was myself and a couple of kids from, from that U19 team. And then we had, we had Brian, we had Gary, uh, we also had Andrew May, and we had uh, a man by the name of John Esham, the legend John Esham. Uh, he played with us in the goal. Uh, and yeah, we'd go out there and we'd play against college kids once they got done with their season, and we were pretty successful. We'd crush them. But at the time, like, I didn't know Brian and Gary too well. Uh, and we'd be playing, dude, and they, they would just talk mad shit. Like during the game? Or? During the game, dude. Like Brian would be, you know, getting a break or whatever, and he'd just call us donkeys. He'd tell us to get off the field. And I, you know, I didn't handle it very well. I'd get pissed off. So there was actually one time where I forget who, who was saying stuff, but I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. And I walk off the field. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me that story for the first time, and... and if I if I remember right, like there was was there like a time where you guys went like where you kind of distance yourself from from these guys like before like before you kind of like really got into the coaching thing and you you were kind of like ah eh, like whatever. Yeah, there there was a time like we played indoor for probably two three years together with that team, and then you know like life happened, things were going on, so I sort of stopped playing indoor with them maybe for a year or two and yeah i just kind of became kind of distanced from from brian and gary um but you know we were cool and all that so yeah and then i eventually i reached out to brian once i saw some of his work and that's where things kind of got rekindled and started being around these guys more often and and that's kind of where I wanted to talk to to you or kind of where I wanted to pick up with you. I don't know if we've ever told this part of your story or if people even know this, but um, you spent a long time just observing Brian. You, I mean, if people are members of the 343 program, then they might actually notice you in some of the videos and they might notice that Danny Rogers has been in a lot of the videos too. And you guys both have spent a lot of time just being by Brian's side and kind of just picking up like the itty bitty things that, you know, he's done over the years. But how did, how did all that, come about when did it start when did it end and maybe like what, what were some of the takeaways from from that experience in the very beginning when i when i played for brian like it was nothing i had experienced before you know it was completely different and you know i didn't know any better until then so brian sort of opened my eyes up to to what football is and and just a, in a different light than what I always got. Like I never, no one ever taught me details. No one ever educated me on the, the nuances of the game. So even when I was younger at 18, 19 years old, I, I understood that there was something different there. And even then, like I started to just fall in love with Barcelona because of the things that we were doing in training and the things that, you know, Brian put value on and would communicate with us. Uh, so I started to value those same things 
and uh, it really, it really helped me develop a real, legitimate passion for the game. So even then, like there was something there, there was some sort of connection there, and maybe I was too young to where I didn't really understand it. But then when I saw his work at Barcelona USA, I was just amazed, you know, because at that point I'd been coaching for a couple years, and it, what I saw in his work was nothing that I'd ever seen before. So I was like, okay, this is something that I want to be around. I want to, I want to watch. I want to learn whatever I possibly can. So I hit up Brian and, you know, I just asked him, Hey man, is, is it cool if I come out and, and just be at the training session? And I was just expecting to go and just like sit off to the side and watch. But, uh, yeah, I, I drove like 45 minute drive peak traffic hours in LA. I'd get to the school and, uh, the school where they trained. And right away, Brian was like, all right, dude, he gets me involved in the training session. I wasn't expecting it. I was like, I was a little intimidated because these kids were savages. Yeah. Like I'd never seen that before. They didn't. They didn't give a fuck. So, you know, in the beginning, I was maybe just kind of more standoffish, just watching, trying to soak everything up. And then, little by little, um, I got more comfortable and started to communicate more with the kids, and uh, you know, started to develop a relationship with the kids and. Yeah, after Barcelona USA, he went to Chivas USA, so I kept going even then. Further further away f- than you were driving before or closer? It, it was a little bit closer from my home, but I'd actually, I most days I had high school soccer. So I'd get done with high school soccer in Irvine. So I'd drive through the traffic in, in uh, Orange County, and then I'd hop on the 5 freeway and battle some of the traffic heading into L.A. So... It was probably about 45 minutes to an hour to get from the high school that I was working at to uh, Bell Gardens, which is where Chivas USA was training at the time. So, yeah, I try to go at least once a week. Uh, and again, you know, Brian always made me feel welcome, like I was I was part of everything. And, yeah, I just would mostly just observe, get involved a little bit. And just from that, man, it, it completely it's, it's completely changed my perspective of things uh it's definitely improved me as a, as a coach uh, my ability to communicate with with kids as well so yeah sacrifices huh yeah and uh, i maybe kind of explain the reason why we're even talking about this right now so when we were i don't know if we would call it dinner when we were meeting earlier we were just throwing around ideas of what we could record podcast wise and Gary threw out the idea of like, Hey, like record the reason why you guys are doing what you're doing today. And like, so today we, you and I both drove down to San Diego and we were, went down to go watch the, the galaxy boys play in the DA playoffs. We don't get paid to do that. Like we, we've been doing this. I know I've been doing it. I know. And you just explained that you've been doing it for, for quite some time now, just like traveling on your own dime, on your own time, to go and learn and watch and observe and study and and so I think the idea was to just like describe what we did today. But then I started to remember like, hey, like you know, Joey's been doing this for a lot longer than I have, and I feel like I've been doing it for you know three four years already. Um, and it it kind of plays off of another topic that I've talked about in in a couple recent podcasts as well, where. I, fe- I feel like some of the best learning experiences for coaches have, they are not, yeah, I, I feel like they are when they go and they reach out to another coach in their area and they say, hey, like, 
can I come watch? Can I, you know, can I just come talk to you? Can I, whatever, like just, just make a connection with them. And I feel like most coaches are very, um, uh, not afraid isn't the right word, but you know, they just, they're, they're not willing to, to make that first connection, either send the email or, uh, you know, go, go shake their hand on the field because they think that the other coach is going to turn them away. I've never experienced that as, as a coach that, you know, has been trying to get access to a, to a training session, whether it's at the MLS level, um, or the college level, the high school level, the club level. I've, you know, if, if you ask, a lot of people are willing to open the doors and, and kind of let you come in and, yeah, so it's it's kind of the 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 combination of those two topics, I guess, that I kind of just talked about. So the sacrifices that you have to make or that you should be making, you know, on your own on your own time to go and seek out those learning opportunities, and then yeah, to not be afraid to seek out those learning opportunities because a lot of times people are are open books. They're you know they want to talk about their experiences and and share their knowledge with you. And I think it was when I interviewed Ian Barker recently, he's like, uh, yeah, like, like some coaches even get kind of like turned on by it. Like, Hey, you want to learn from me? Like, yeah. What do you want to know? I'll teach you everything. <laughs> have, have you had any other experiences like that besides, you know, your, your stuff with Brian, or is there something about that experience of, you know, going and watching those teams train specifically that you know, has you kind of continuing to go back that way? Uh, I, I just think that, you know, watching Brian's work, I've always, it's been so different than everything else. And that's what sort of attracted me to wanting to watch and see, you know, how that product was, was being produced in training. Um, there's been other coaches that, uh, you know, that I know throughout the years, I just, I'll go watch and, um, you know, I pick up things if, if I can, or, you know, I might see one or two little things that I can pick out and maybe apply to my work. But yeah, I, I've consistently gone back to Brian just because of, you know, the, the work is just high level. But yeah, I've never, I've never had an experience um, with anyone saying no. And, and I agree. I think, you know, when, when a coach finds out that someone wants to learn from them, there's there's uh it's a it's a boost you know it's it's a feeling of like all right cool like maybe i can mentor this this person and help them learn and help them in their development process because i'm sure you know the coach who's being approached he's gone through that you know i think i think almost all coaches have probably had that person that they've looked to uh to learn from so yeah all my experiences in approaching other coaches have been positive and been good. I want to kind of switch gears and, and go back to set like the sacrifices and, and that makes it sound like it's like this big, huge thing, but maybe we can kind of re redirect this into like the typical day of, of a coach. And that was one of the things we kind of tossed out earlier too, is like, and today being the example, right? So if you're, if you're a coach that's, you know, has a goal of making whatever level, right? Uh, you know, what does a typical day look like for, for that coach? And so maybe we can kind of use your day today or maybe we can extend it out a, a couple days. Um, this might not be the best time actually, cause I know that you're on, you're on break right now with your teams. So, um, but maybe we can, we can try to paint the picture for coaches of like what a typical day might be like for, for Joey Cassio and the, the life of a, 
a coach that's leading a, more than one team, seeking out these learning opportunities, uh, raising a baby that's almost ready for her first birthday, having a wife, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, let's, let's kind of dive into that. Yeah, it's definitely changed uh, about a year ago for me with, with having uh, a baby girl now. But uh, in general, uh, I'll usually wake up. Uh, my daughter's usually my alarm clock between 6 and 7 a.m. When she wakes up, it's time to wake up. Um, I'll take her downstairs. I'll, I'll give her a bottle, a uh, feeder. Uh, and then we'll, while she's doing that, while she's eating, I'll make myself a cup of coffee. And then I just chill. I play with her for a little bit. Uh, I check my emails, uh, maybe get a little bit of work done on the computer. And then, you know, what is what is work? What does work mean? Uh, it, it's a variety of things like I'll, I'll check my emails. I'll reply to emails. Um, I usually take notes and attendance at training sessions. So if I had a training session the night before, I'll just recap my notes and and the attendance uh i'll put into my computer so that i, I keep track of that of that stuff oh, i i don't want to i don't want to interrupt you but i want to kind of dive into the notes before we just kind of skim past that and i forget to ask about it so what when you're taking notes at practice are you taking notes like during practice are you taking notes after each activity at the end of the practice tell me tell me a little bit about that yeah so when you know during the course of the practice uh, say we're working on building out of the back or and there's little things that I feel like I need to revisit consistently with the players uh, and and make sure that I'm just repeating 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 the message so that they they continue to execute and build that habit within their game I'll just I'll jot that down real quick so just little things that right when I see it I'll pull out I'd usually just carry like a piece of paper I'll fold it up in my pocket with a pen and I'll just jot it down real quick so that I, that I know that next time and the next few times that we work on the exercise I keep harping on that on that same thing I, I asked this question who did I ask this question to I think it was Adam Bells in a, re, in a recent interview he he watches a lot of games on TV He's kind of isolated where he's at, so he doesn't get to watch a lot of the games like we're fortunate to watch here in Southern California. So he watches everything from a distance, and, and he mentioned that he takes notes. And so the way that I asked him the question was, what makes you move your pen? So when you're when you're watching an exercise, sit, building out of the back, for example, again, like what makes you move your pen? What makes you pull that piece of paper out of your pocket and, and, and write something down? It's, it's mostly like team stuff. Um, it's not really ever individual stuff. Like... If an individual player is showing uh, a pattern or a trend of making the same mistake over and over again, I'll, I'll find the right moment to pull them aside, put my arm around them, and have a conversation about that particular thing. But usually what I'll write down is you know, the, the team tactical stuff that I feel like, okay, we, I got to keep hammering this into these guys so that it becomes a habit. And then I don't have to be yelling it during the game. Uh, so, like, for example, let's say we're building out of the back and uh, player X isn't, isn't shrinking, you know, when the ball's on the other side of the field. Say he's like a left back and the right back has the ball and, and his, his spacing between him and his, the closest center back, it's too far apart. And I have to keep saying it and keep saying it. Okay, I'm going to write it down so I know that that particular player, like, he's... He's not doing that, that action correctly. Um, let's say 
Another example, the, the holding midfielder has the ball. He's dribbling forward. And our back line is is late to start to to step with with the ball as the ball's going forward with the defensive midfielder. So I'll write that down. Okay, we the back line has to stay connected to the midfield. Things like that. That it's a simple basic thing, but just writing it down and me checking back later over my notes, like I, I know, okay, this is a point that I have to keep hammering into these guys session after session after session. So yeah, that's usually it. So let's go back to the kind of like the daily schedule things. We got up to the point where you checked emails and you and, you, and you're now looking at uh, yesterday's notes. So when when you go to review those notes and and the attendance for the practice, what's the process there, or what's the thinking behind all that? The the attendance, I'll, I'll usually write it into, I'll put it into a spreadsheet so that I know, because um, the build up to a game, you know, I. I I take into account like who's who's been consistently at training uh, over the last few weeks or so. So I'll put that in in a spreadsheet. The notes, uh, it's just more so just me refreshing my brain, and as I as I plan my next session, uh, it just it gives me uh, just you know like a a reminder like okay. We're doing this again tonight. These are the points that I need to hit home. Make sure that that we're executing. Um, yeah. So after that, I'll I'll kind of think about what I want to do for the session, uh, either that night or the following night. Um, I'll start to piece it together. I'll maybe go online and look at some exercises. You know, I I I go and watch. Uh, the 343 stuff and, and some other stuff on YouTube that I've done in the past, but I always go and revisit it so that all the little things are fresh in my mind so that I'm sharp when I get out to the practice field in delivering my message. You know, I want to I wanna make sure that I'm, I'm hitting all the points that are involved in those exercises. So I'll do that. And then, I mean, we're so lucky, man, the, the game of, of soccer – it's like there's there's games almost all the time. All the time now. All the that, time. We used to be like, I, I, I don't know, in a soccer desert in, in, in a way. It's like they didn't show games hardly ever on TV. And now you can't go like more than a few hours without seeing a game on TV or, you know, even having a, you know, a game being played nearby almost. Yeah, between all the European leagues, the Champions League, you know, you, you have games during the week too. And then you got the games on the weekend. We're lucky right now. We have the World Cup. So I, I try to record too. So... If there's not a game on that day, I can go into my DVR and there's there's games in there that I can watch. So I'll usually find time to watch a game. Um, and then at some point I, I try to get into the gym. You know, that's that's my way to get things off my mind, a little bit of a release, keep me fresh. Um, before before we get too much further, I want to go back to the watching the games because yeah. this, this is something. Once you left earlier, and Gary and I were were kind of talking about like what I was going to ask you. I was like, yeah, well, I didn't want to tell him all the questions I was going to ask him because I wanted you to give some candid answers. And and I remembered, uh, I think it was last week when we were together. Um, you mentioned like, yeah, like if I'm not if I'm not coaching or if I'm not planning my session, like I'm watching games. The, the exact same story that you just told right now. So when you're sitting down to watch games like 
describe what that looks like and be honest like if like if you just sit in and you're just chilling watching a game then say that but if, if there's like process behind it or things that you know other things that are happening what what goes on for me i i think it's important to pay attention um I've been doing it now for years and, and I really feel like it's it's a big part of my process to be paying attention to all levels of the game. You know, I, I look to the European leagues, the Champions League as the standard. You know, that's that's the ultimate standard. That's that's the goal is try to get to that level. It may never be possible, but you know, the ambition is always to work to towards that level. And then, you know, we have we have the youth level, which is where I work, so I try to pay attention to that as much as I possibly can. Uh, live streams, watching Development Academy games, uh, youth tournaments that are going on. It seems like there's more of those uh, being broadcasted now so you can watch. And then there's our Division One in this country, MLS. You know, I, I think it's important, even if I don't think the soccer is fantastic, like I want to be paying attention. I want to know what's you going on. Know. You have to know. Yeah. It's an important part of the process. So those, those three things, between those three things, there's always something to be watching and learning from. Now, when I sit down for an individual game, I don't have a pad of paper or anything or a pen to take notes. I just, I just watch. But over the years, what's been important is I've, I've, I've stopped only focusing on the action on the ball. I've learned and, and acquired the, a skill to be able to see to pay attention to the things that are happening away from the ball and how teams move as a unit. Um, and that's, that's an important part of the game. So as I've acquired that skill, I think it's helped me in, in my coaching. It's helped me sort of identify things that certain top level teams do. Um, and, and I've, you know, I, some things I don't like and some things I do like. So if I like something, I'll try to apply it to, to my uh, to my methodology, for example, I think the last time we spoke, I was talking about how, you know, I've been focusing on the defensive aspect of the game more, and I've watched a lot more of Napoli this year. And so, okay, I saw the product in their in the games, and so I searched on YouTube like Mauricio Sarri Napoli exercises or something like that. And there was a specific exercise uh, where they had the back line. And they were just going over all the different situations that they're going to come up against. A ball like being sent long to them, how, how they move together, how they react when one player you know, moves towards the ball, uh, or a player's dribbling at the back line. You know, what's the first thing that they do? They all start to drop back a little bit, see where he's going to go, and then the player closest to the ball steps. The other three defenders react to that. And so I've now applied that to, to my methodology. So... Yeah, little things like that when I'm watching the game. I, I, I try to identify what, what is this team trying to do? What is their strategy? And then if I like it, I'll look further into it and maybe try to figure out a way that I can implement it into my, uh, my program. If it's not something that I particularly like, then I, I appreciate it. And, you know, it's like, hey, this team has a good strategy. It's working. Like, okay, this is good stuff. For example, Iceland against Argentina, man, like very, very well set up. No, no big time talents in the team, just a strong unit, all working as one, and it works. So I, I think 
here in America, we, we tend to look too much at the individual aspect of the game. No, it, and, and, and we try to look, or we, we look too much into the current moment as well. So yeah. it's like when, this, and this World Cup is a great example that's happening right now, but pretty much any, any live game is, is a good example where you get the commentators kind of like hot takes or the analysis team that's back in the studio get their hot takes. Those people don't study the game. They, they, they don't. And so the opinions that they're giving you are based off of what just happened. But what you kind of just described was more of like, hey, like what is the team actually going for over the course of two, three, four, five games or, you know, the season or the two seasons that they're in Champions League in their regular season, which is much, much different than just giving an analysis on 45 minutes worth of play and trying to figure out the coach's ideas and, you know, saying that, you know, whatever. Right. But. That that to me is like one huge reason why I pretty much pay no attention to uh, TV analysis anymore is, is that these guys they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Number one, and it's a hot take. There's 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 no substance to it. So that's that's what I kind of pay most attention to it. At yeah, you try point. you try to look at patterns. Yeah, patterns. That, that, you know that a team has. What is what what are they actually trying to achieve? Yeah. So I talk about this with beer with beer pretty often when I when I used to work at the uh, when I used to work at the brewery because I used to work at a place that did um, sour beers, which is you know a world of its own. So a lot of times people would come in for the first time and try a sour beer, and they would hate it. They would absolutely like have no idea what's going on, and. And of course, like you, if you don't know what what the brewer's going for, and you just taste like this sour beer, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck was that? Like, what did I just drink? That's awful." But once you kind of learn what the brewer did and the steps it took to get it to that final product, you can kind of make a judgment then of like, "Hey, like you know, the brewer was going for this. He got there. I can appreciate that you know the work and the nuance of all this stuff. And you know what? Maybe it's not that bad after all." Um, and, and then yeah, same in the beer world. Like you like you have small budgets and you have big budgets like okay so how did this brewer make do with you know not having all the same ingredients or the same equipment as the big brewer okay he still came up with a pretty decent product perfect now i enjoy it or now i at least appreciate it you don't have to enjoy it either which is which is another thing i kind of talked about in beer too it's like you don't have to enjoy it but can you appreciate it can you appreciate the work that got in or that the brewer put into you know making that particular style or you know that particular batch or, or something like that and so there's a lot of similarities that you could draw to, to soccer and, and like the Iceland one is a perfect example like not as many resources not as many people not as many you know fields not as much playing time throughout the year for, for these guys you know they're in winter for I don't know how long out of the year and, but they still come up with a you know a decent product and if you look at it over the course of maybe the last let's see four years so the qualifying for Euros, the Euros, the qualifying for World Cup, and now the World Cup, um, you know, they've, they've displayed a, a consistent style and a consistent product, end product. And do you have to enjoy it? No. It's, you know, not all the time. It's not pretty all the time. Can you appreciate it? Fuck yeah. When they tie Argentina 1-1 and everything's on fucking purpose. Yeah. You, you can appreciate that. So, yeah. Yeah. That was my, it, that was my rant. No, that, <laughs> that was good. And it leads me to thinking of a, a recent tweet that Gary put out like the global soccer system the, the open system you know there are teams who have money and, and can buy any talent in the world there's other other teams that they don't have that capacity and they have to be on a budget they have to be very smart but it leads to tactical diversity you know and and 
Iceland understands what they have, and they've set their team up with with a tactical framework to to combat, you know, and Argentina, for example, with a Lionel Messi, one of the probably the best talent ever to play the game. But we saw like Iceland executed their their tactical plan extremely well, and it allows them to compete with the very with the very best and stop and prevent the best player in the world from having a large impact on the game. We, we saw it with Leicester City. They didn't have big name players at the time. There were players who over the course of the season, like they broke out, but they had, they won because of their, their tactical plan as a team. And, you know, you, I think it's very cool. Like you said, like you build an appreciation for, for that kind of stuff. You don't necessarily have to like the way that they play or like, oh, I want my team to play like Leicester City. You don't have to think like that. But yeah, I think any time that there's a well-executed plan, hey, respect, mad props. Well, and and I, I think I maybe left out one, one key sentence that I usually add in, when I'm, especially when I'm talking about beer. But once you understand it, if, if you if, if you can understand it, then you can appreciate it. But if you don't understand it, you'll never be able to appreciate it fully, especially, fully especially, but f usually at all. 100%. So you, you have to understand what they're going for. You have to understand, okay, so the right back moved up and the right winger moved in and the and one of the center midfielders moved out to the, to the outside. Oh, I understand that now. Oh, now I can appreciate that movement. Yeah. If you don't understand it, you're like, why are these fucking players moving around? Jose Mourinho is a good example of that. Everybody, it seems like in the media, people on social media, they complain about how his teams play. But it's a good tactical plan. Like, look what the guy's done in the game. I mean, he's he's won all the major trophies pretty much in, in club football. And it's because it's not just for no reason. Like the guy does good work. He has a good tactical plan and he gets his players to execute. Like Respect, props, man. I don't have to like particularly like his style of play but hey respect good work all right let's get back to your daily schedule so i think we left off at the gym so let's fast forward past that we, we can save the workout for, <laughs> for for another day so we've we've gone over and uh, the 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 baby's the alarm clock you wake up and get some work done go over the yes or go over yesterday's notes um if there's a game to watch you spend time to watching that gym what next yeah, I'll uh, I'll usually just finalize session plans if I have tr training that day. All right, I, I already have a question. I'm just going to ask go, you. Go for I'm going to interrupt you again because <laughs> <laughs> this is something I thought about earlier and I forgot to ask. Um, how far in advance are you planning your training sessions? And again, I want a real answer. So if if it's the day of, it's the day of. If you have a season plan, it's a season plan. Of course, um, for me. It's never further out than a week. You know, I, I, I know that there's people who, like, plan out what they're going to do, like, months in advance. For me, I, I like to just keep my, my finger on the pulse of the team to just understand what it is that we need to work on at that moment. And I'll usually adjust based on that. I, I don't... It, because I use the same core of exercises, you know, uh, it's like, okay, we didn't do this well in this game. Let's work on that this week. And then if we work on that and then the next week it's, it's the same thing. Like that's, that's what we were weekend. Okay. We're going to do it again. Or, okay. We start to show improvement in that area. We didn't do well in this area. Okay. Let's go over that. But, but it's usually the same exercises. So, you know, we're continuing to 
gain somewhat of expertise in that. Yeah, I mean, it's not perfect, but you know, we're showing an understanding if we're continuing to do those same exercises. So yeah, I just like to keep my finger on the pulse and at that day, it's like, okay, we'll do this. And sometimes I'll go, okay, this week I wanna do this, this day, this, this day, and then this, this day. But other than that, yeah, I never say, okay, for this month, we're gonna do this, this yeah, week, yeah. this. I don't like to do that, you know? Because things change, you see things in games, and that that impacts what I do in training. What are you What are you using to design your sessions? Is it pen and paper? Is it some fancy program? Is it the DCC? Is it? <laughs> well, when I was working in MLS, I I would use, and it, it was that was my first uh, introduction to uh, like software, you know, to design the training session. Before that, I'd never done it. I always used a pen and paper. Um, so while I was in MLS, I, I learned to use the different software to sort of draw it out and it can be a little annoying, but I learned, I got decent at it. But now that I'm not in working in MLS anymore, uh, yeah, I've gone back to the pen and paper. So that's what I do to, to write out my session. I kind of felt like it was weird that like part of your grade was, you know, how well you could understand the DCC for the C course I just finished and you did the C course last year. Um, I, I sat down for one of my evaluations with the, with my instructor and he's like, so, uh, what do you think of this session? I was like, yeah, well, he spent a lot of time designing it. And, you know, <laughs> super, super proud of it. He's like, you're only gonna play with goalies or what? I was like, Oh my God. Like I forgot to hit save. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Joey dropped his keys. Um, and I forgot, I forgot to hit save when, when I made all the, the s corrections to my session the night before. And so, yeah, so I had all kinds of triangles with number ones in them. And he's like, oh, you're going to play with all keepers? Cool, dude. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so, yeah, I can say that now because I passed my course. If I would have said that a month ago, maybe I'd be yeah. at risk. <laughs> and and when I do my sessions, I know some people write like a, a goddamn book, dude, when they do it. I just, I don't like to do that. I like to sort of maybe draw out uh, how I'm going to lay out the session. I like to try to set up as much of the session as possible so I don't have to be picking up anything. It's all set up. We can just move from exercise to exercise with good flow. Um, so when I'm drawing out my session, I think about the space that I have on the field and I'll draw out how I'm going to lay it out when I get there so that I have, already have it in my brain so it's quicker. It's a quicker process. Uh, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes I have to maybe pick one thing up to have enough room for another thing. But uh, that's one thing that I, I do do. But like coaching points, I'm very, very brief. Like, okay, we're doing a 4v1. I want to make sure I touch on these three things and just keep it simple. I don't like to throw a bunch of information at the kids all, all in one session. You know, if we're continuing to do the same things over time, I can go, okay, boom. I, wanna ma I want these guys to be mastering these three things. Once they've done that, okay, now I can add in other coaching points, other layers onto it. So I'll be very brief with my coaching points, and usually that's all that I put in my, my session plan. One of the things that I used to do with the, with the girls' high school team, every single day when we started practice, we always started with wherever the green cones were, like green means go kind of deal. So we would go over the, the session in our makeshift locker room, which was just above the stadium, 
and we the girls kind of knew like all right you know this is what the first exercise is going to be the second the third the fourth whatever but when they got down to the field to orientate themselves they would always just look for the green cone so and we always would start with with some type of a rondo so whether it be 8v2 or 4v1 or 3v1 so the sizes of those little grids would be different every day but they would always know like hey like you know this is where we start so there would be no like fucking standing around shooting on, on the goal or uh you know standing around talking or texting or anything like that they knew like right away like you know this is where practice is starting this is what we're doing for practice to start and then usually after that we would go through like a little dynamic warm-up and that would always be with red cones so they would move straight from the green cones and i we had fortunate at a high school right to have a trainer that would put water out for us but uh, green cones to water to red cones and so like the first 20 to 25 minutes of the practice was always kind of like pre-programmed which was pretty nice um and and, and that type of uh Oh, what's the word? I'm terrible with words. Uh, the word I'm looking for. Automization? Yeah, making yeah. it automatic. Yeah, man. so that they didn't have to think about it anymore. And that really just, it, it, it improved the quality of that first 20 to 25 minutes of our, of our training sessions. And, and it got to the point where I didn't have to write that down on the training session paper anymore. When I, when I was writing down with pen and paper, you know, I could, not that I would, you know, leave it out, but, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have to spend time on that either because that part of my training session was you know done basically i knew i always knew what i was going to do so that that helped out a lot just yeah, creating that routine you didn't have to tell them right they would just they would start and then they'd probably go into the next part on their own yeah. i think that's, that's important man we give them responsibility like do it on your own and then you give them that little bit of freedom right like the for me i i try to give as much freedom as i can because that that's what develops the the creative process you know every uh, well most players have a creative process in their mind like they make decisions the more that you eat away at that the more robotic they're going to be i mean you do have to build like a framework for them as a team you got to teach them you know proper technique and whatnot but if you go overboard you you start to eat away at their creative process and you start to take away their personality as a player. So that kind of stuff for me is very important. I try to give them as much freedom as I can within the structure of the training session, if that makes sense. Yep, no, it makes total sense. And and a lot of times people will, and this is another episode that Gary and I talked about the other day that I need to record, is that they're going to think after listening to this that, that you know, I treat rondos as just like these little keep away games to warm up and, and yeah, give the kids freedom. It's like, yeah, maybe like maybe like at certain times or certain certain exercises, yeah, but that's only the first twenty minutes of the practice, and you know the things that we do after that four v four plus three, uh, uh, the uh, fucking a the numbers two v two plus three or uh, whatever, right? Like all that shit comes with tons of instruction, yeah, ton tons of coaching points, uh, tons of structure. So it's like, yeah, like, like you said, like you have to give them, you know, a little bit of freedom within the structure of the training session, but it's not a free for all. And, and it's not, uh, it's not the whatever, let the game be the teacher type bullshit either. So I don't want people to be misguided by, by the way I set up my first 20 minutes of the training session. Yeah. A lot of it. You know, the way that, that it's set up, the 4v1, when you lose the ball, you're in the middle. Like, so within their decision-making process, it's teaching them responsibility. Don't turn the ball over. 
and you sort of can build that into your culture like don't turn the ball over dude it's donkey like keep yourself out of the middle so as they continue to do that you don't necessarily have to say hey no you need to play this guy in this situation or no you need to play like they're gonna figure it out eventually they're gonna figure it out on their own because there's a consequence for you mm-hmm. turning over the ball and if all the players start to like get on each other a little bit uh, when a player does lose the ball yeah it, it's it, their decision making process their creative process is going to improve without you having to say no you should have played sam right now or no you should have played johnny right now like you don't have to do that you know i i try to stay away from that because i think that that kills a player's spirit for the game yeah. when you have when you have a team that, that understands what the identity or what the goal is as well, well then everybody's kind of bought into that it also makes what you're saying kind of easier too because they all know like what they're trying to achieve and the reasons behind it so they know they understand like hey like we want the ball because this is what we want to do with it and we don't want to lose it because we know that what the other team is going to you know try to do with it and once everybody's kind of bought into that and and you work on that over and over and over and over again yeah it, you know you can kind of step back at, at times and you know let them manage it themselves but you're always there i was always there you know yeah. if they started to you know get off track well then yeah then you step in and you make your points and or you know you you bring them in for a chat or you know you make a note on your on your on your notepad or something like that that hey like let's improve this or you know this this needs to happen or you guys can't be doing this or yeah, so there's there's ways to control it, but yeah. Yeah, it's a fine line, man. It's very difficult, and that's what makes it an art. You know, how you deliver that message, that's what makes coaching an art. It's it's not as easy as as people think, no, man. Not at all. <laughs> and and I've learned like when I first started, I would coach that. Like, no, you shouldn't have played this guy. You should have played this guy. And before I knew it, like I realized we we were never penetrating we were never attacking we were always playing the safest pass side to side backwards i was like oh shit that's on me that's my that's my fault and so i've adjusted over the years should we do a post-game interview with gary shocking (laughs) what's up man joey Joey knows the struggle (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so game game just ended uh, I didn't see the oh, final score. We won't say the final score. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we got, we're up to, let's see, planning the training session, I think is where we got to. So yeah. We're probably at like what, mid afternoon at this point? Yeah. So I, the drive to my training sessions is about 45 minutes. So I, I like to get out there early just in case, like maybe there's an accident or something. Like, I don't want to be late, so I, I try to get there early. And we actually train across the street from the, the Galaxy Futsal Center, so that's always open. I usually go over there. I'll have, a, I'll have a seat for a little while, go over everything. I'll break out my MacBook, check my emails again, uh, look up anything that maybe is on my mind. Um, and then, yeah, I start training at 4.30, and the gate's open literally like 10 minutes before so as soon as the gates open and get out to the field set it up and and off to the races man so i go 4 30 to 9 uh two nights a week right now we're adding in a third night uh here after our break which will start in july 
So yeah, and it's usually a, that's a typical day. After that, I how many I, teams? Uh, I have three teams. Each train an hour and a half. Um, then after that, drive back home. Less traffic at that point, that time of night. So maybe like thirty minutes. I go, I go pick up my daughter from uh, the in-laws because my my wife also works at night and. We're both usually off at the same time, so I go and pick up her, head back home, put her down to bed, maybe wind down a little bit, maybe turn on a game, uh, have some some tea, just relax, and then get to bed. <laughs> the, the day, the day in the life of a coach, and I think a lot of people are going to be able to kind of. Um, connect with this story too and i know that there's going to be there's going to be some people that are like dude joey has the life like he has it made like he just gets to coach soccer let's go over and, today and, dude let's and, go over today yeah so that's that's kind of where i was going it's like hey like you know but what, what else what about the days where you're not coaching and you're spending all these all this extra time and and whatnot so yeah it yeah like today the da playoffs are going on right i'm on break so i don't have training sessions right now but, you know, my mind is just constantly soccer all the time. Uh, we actually, we talked about the DA playoffs, what, like a week ago, two weeks ago? Yeah. We kind of just kind of put tentative plans in place. And then, yeah, so woke up, the World Cup was on, Belgium against Panama, yep. 7 a.m., woke yep. up, watched that with my daughter, got ready. I left a little bit before that game ended, head, headed down to Oceanside, we met at the draft little sports bar in Oceanside for the England game so we could get that in and then we headed over to SoCal Sports Complex to watch Galaxy U19s against Montreal Impact right they're called the Impact yeah, yeah. and then after that we went and watched New York City FC yep Gio Reyna in particular I don't remember what the other who the other team uh, was do you? St. Louis St. Louis St. Louis they had Mercy on their jersey. I've never seen that before, though. Oh. Huh. Yeah, watched that game. Went back to the sports bar for a little recap, chat, and then drove back home, dude. Hour, About an hour drive back home. It's so funny because, like, you're saying this, and I'm, like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, all right, yeah, like, that happened, that happened. And then you kind of just gloss over the fact, like, we went and we meet at the – at the same sports bar again, but like at the sports bar, we're not just, you know, sitting there doing nothing. We're, yeah. you know, for about an hour, we're, you know, kind of pouring over a bunch of footage that we, that I need to edit, uh, for, for one of the upcoming modules. And we're talking about, you know, some of the stuff that you and I spent, you know, six to eight months recording and, and how we're going to use all that content and stuff like that. So it's like, even though, yeah, like a very informal you know, spot to be meeting and it's, and I feel like that's where we do a lot of our business is very informal spots. Um, but yeah, it never it never switches off. No, we yeah we were going over the games that we watched, particular players that we saw, what we thought, good, bad. I want to yeah. actually I want to I want to kind of mention one one thing I've been doing lately, and it kind of goes back to note taking. I do it in a different way, and I do it for a different reason um, than probably most people. But um, the last probably I'll, I'll say three months, three months I've been uh, taking notes. Or making making timestamps of when players, professional or youth or whatever, when they execute a certain skill or certain uh, skills, and I keep a spreadsheet for all those skills and the, and all the timestamps of when they do them, so that way I can go back and cut up videos. And you know, there's going to be something that comes out in the future of, that that uses all those 
all those moments as well. But it's pretty it's pretty funky to uh, to go back and and see some of the old 343 videos and I've been, I've been tasked with going back through and, and you know cutting those up as well so you know you go back to the time when the kids were 10 and you see them execute a skill the exact same way that they execute it in the U19 game today uh, against Montreal Impact they did the same thing when they were like U10s or U11s when they played against FC Barcelona in Mick Cup and it's like you see the consistency of that over the course of you know five, six, seven years it's like wow like this you know, this is pretty badass. This is pretty special. And there's one play in particular where, you know, when the kids are, let's see, I think the video is labeled U12. So that means that they're 11. Ephra's playing always two years up. Uh, so it's Ephra and Togo. Togo does a scoop pass to to split two Barcelona defenders. This is FC Barcelona, the real Barcelona. They're playing in Barcelona. So he does a scoop pass. Ephra brings it out of the air by kind of like chopping at it with the outside of his left foot it lands perfectly in front of him and then he does a croqueta around the the or in between the two barcelona defenders before the ball even touches the ground so efra was maybe nine years old ten years old at that time so yeah so the croqueta is a move that i've you know been going back and time stamping in in a number of different ways uh, you know when the kids are doing in the videos when alex does them when uli does them when Ephra does, uh, when they all do them right and and then yeah then you fast forward let's see six years yes about six years and and Ephra pulls off the croqueta in, in the in a usl game and scores you know he takes the defender and, and slots it home with his left foot and then it's like okay so when you see the progression this kid's made from the time he was nine to the time that he was 15 it's like hmm maybe there's something here yeah <laughs> flavor man they've had it since they were young it's nuts dude it's nuts yeah so that's the way that i've been taking notes lately it's just funny how note taking just keeps coming up. So when I interviewed Adam Bells, it came up when I interviewed or when I interviewed you. When, when <laughs> as we're talking now, it comes up again with with your kind of daily routine. And then yeah, so mine. I wanted to throw my little piece in there, which yeah, is of course. way different, but um, but I think coaches might might kind of geek out on that. Hey, we're we're getting older, man. Like we can't remember everything that happens during the course of the day, so <laughs> we know. have to just jot it down. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> I forget things all the time. If I don't write it down, like li just little things that happen throughout the day. Even if I say, okay, I got to remember that, I'll forget it. By the end of the day, it's left my brain. Yep, 100%, I agree. And I spend a lot of time driving, so a lot of times I'm just, if I'm driving, I just take notes or, I don't know, I used to, I used to make like uh, audio notes in my phone. I used to have an app that would take audio notes. Yeah. I would just talk to my phone, uh, but I, I just use the notepad on my iPhone these days. Yeah, so I, I drive quite a bit. I live about, let's see, three and a half hours from here. And Oceanside was what an extra hour and fifteen minutes from here. About yeah. Yeah. So today I let's see. I drove down last night. I left my house at eight forty-five. I got to Gary's like just after midnight. Uh, was up and at a coffee shop for the Belgium Panama game. I watched that from from my computer. I I left as soon as Belgium scored their third goal because I knew that it was game over. Uh, Oceanside by eleven. I was I I walked in just before kickoff. Uh, yeah, the U19 game at 1, meeting back at the sports bar until 6, Gary's house until 8, and then I left and came over here, and it's now, let's see, 10.03, my clock just changed right now, and I'm probably going to you know hit save on this in, in a minute or two and bounce out of here, and then I have to make the decision, do I drive home <laughs> three and a half hours, or... 
or do I do I kick it, watch the first two World Cup game or watch the first World Cup game here tomorrow, and then bounce out on the road early in the morning? Dude, I've asked you this before. Remind me, what what's the average amount of miles you put on your on your car in a year? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, well, it's a 2015. I brought it. I bought it brand new, zero miles on it when I drove it off the lot. So 2015, it's halfway through 2018 right now, and I have 111,000 miles on it. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I drive a lot. <laughs> there you go, people. And I fly, I fly quite a few places too. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of miles in the air that don't get counted in there. So I've learned to like driving. Yeah, me with, too. With podcasts and stuff nowadays, you can just turn one of those on for. In particular, like Joe Rogan's, and those are long form, right? Yeah, well, so one episode gets me here yeah, usually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this one for for right now. I think that that kind of is a fun episode for coaches to listen to, and hopefully, they get you know one or two gold nuggets that they can that they can get out of it. I'm really curious though. If, I'm, I'm always hesitant to kind of throw out like you know questions for the coaches or challenges for the coaches, but. I'd, I'd be I'd be interested in hearing more about like other people's daily schedules or daily routines, and, and you know just how much you how much time you get to spend, you, you know on on perfecting your your craft, uh, mastering your craft, and and working on your coaching and working on sharpening your vision and and sharpening your message and and things like that. So if if anybody's willing to share, we're I'd be I'd be willing to I'd be willing to listen. So. Um, you guys can you know reach out on Twitter or just shoot me a DM or, or something. So I'd be I'd be interested to hear what what's going on with you guys. I'm interested too because I know a lot of people just think we all just show up for training, that's it, go home, and then we show up on on the weekend for the games. All right, that's it, go home. There's so much more to it than that, and I just people on the outside don't see that they don't, they don't understand they don't know so i think i think it's important for people to share their process put it out there i agree all right well with that we'll uh we'll sign off for this episode thank you joe cassio thank you john Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. Thank you to Joey Cassio for coming back on the show. I hope that you guys enjoyed that episode with him. If you would like to check out previous episodes with Joey, you can find those in the show notes. I will have everything linked for you to check out there. And while you are on 343coaching.com, where you can find those show notes, you can check out all of the information about becoming a 343 premium coaching education member and that is the program that joey talked about uh throughout this episode and that i am part of and that hundreds and hundreds of other coaches are part of across the united states and it is a peek inside of the work that brian Kleiben has been doing with a special group of kids down in southern california so if you want to look inside of the making of one of this country's best youth teams and one of this country's best coaches all of that is available at 343coaching.com. All right. With that, we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 Podcast. Thank you for listening.